dismissed for Children's Church. As already been mentioned, uh, our guest this morning is Greg Wood, representing Children's Camps International. I'm looking forward to what Greg has to share, especially uh, since I read his message title. You don't have a bulletin, so I'll read it for you. This is the title of, of Greg's message, The Life of a Magicianary. I got that right. <laughs> the Life of a Magicianary. Now, you all know that Greg uh, loves a good joke and he has a good sense of humor, so I got his permission to tell a joke this morning. I guess that'd be okay. I heard about a guy, uh, he was talking to his friend and he said, uh, I knew I was destined to be a psychologist and not a magician when I pulled a habit out of a rat. <laughs> Welcome, Greg. Thank you. Thanks for setting me up, too. Wow, it's been a great service so far. Why don't we just go down and eat? No. We won't quite go that far. Um, but I always love uh, singing A Joy to the World, even though it's early. Um, I, it always reminds me of the time that they said, let's sing Joy to the World, and I belted out, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. <laughs> and apparently that wasn't the right Joy to the World. <laughs> just so you know. Um, and, oh, um, I did want to mention, it's not part of what I got here, Leland Clausen. If you've never seen Leland Clausen, he's funny. I've worked with Leland in the past, and uh, Leland uh, opened for me a couple times, and he is, uh, he's very, very funny, and especially if you're Mennonite. Just say no, especially if you're Mennonite. He's a very, very funny man. I don't know the musical artist, but probably pretty good, too, so... Um, I'm with Children's Camps International, and you may or may not know this, but we still send children to Bible camp in the developing world. We are currently in three countries. We're in uh, India, Cambodia, and Brazil. Uh, we have been in another of other countries that have taken it and just run with it and completely are on their own now. The, we don't say India, Cambodia, and Brazil. We say South Asia, Southeast Asia, and South America. And it came about when the Indian government decided that they didn't want to have a relationship with us. And so it has been it's cracked down. For example, I can no longer go back to India. Um, so... Uh, well, I can go there as a tourist, but I can't go back as a missionary. They, they wouldn't let me in to work with CCI. So, what started in 2004 with five, just over 500 kids uh, attending Bible camp. And for that $5, they go to Bible camp for a week and then get 51 weeks of follow-up programming. Why not 52? Because it's camp time again. <laughs> And they get all of that, and it's all for the $5 cost. And actually, of that $5, the churches in India are now putting 60% of it themselves down. And this year, or as of right now, we just passed three and a half million children attending camp. Now, some of that's cumulative because we just count the number of kids in camp, and some kids go to camp a number of years. But three and a half million kids, if you lined up children, 
and they held each other's hands and you started at the ocean in, in Vancouver it extends somewhere I believe somewhere into the Golden Triangle right now so uh, past Thunder Bay and into the Golden Triangle by another thousand miles oh I see these mics are on so I just if you could just kill those mics it'd be easier I didn't know what was making the noise and doesn't recognize my face anymore I, I know, but it, so um, and I've been lucky enough to see a lot of that you see I'm kind of a poster child for Children's Camps International the reason I'm a poster child I did not go to camp in India Brazil or Cambodia but you see uh, I was an adult before I became a Christian I was uh, in my early 30s so about 10 years ago buying it. Um, and I thought church was boring and irrelevant, right? Like, it's kind of like if you've ever seen the Simpsons and you, you look at the pastor there, uh, Lovejoy, uh, Reverend Lovejoy, and his type of sermons. That's really what I thought that the, the Christian church was like. Boring and irrelevant. Besides, I was born in Canada and my parents were Christian, so I was automatically a Christian anyway, right? No? Okay, I thought so. Um, but my children attended a day camp in Morden. We lived in Morden at the time. They attended a day camp, and at the end of the camp, they invited the parents in to listen to the songs they had learned to sing. And I'm a dutiful dad, proud of my kids, so I went to hear them sing. And they sang, and after they sang, as we were leaving, they decided to invite us for something to eat. So we went and had some farmer sausage and ice cream. Well, not together. <laughs> farmer's sausage and buns and ice cream later. And the guys that were cooking it and having, serving it, they were kidding each other, they were, they were teasing each other, they were having fun. Just, you know, like church people aren't supposed to do that. Uh, I didn't even, you know, how are you doing that? I figured they were like me, just on their first visit or something. They didn't know any better, they weren't allowed to have fun. So, But because they were enjoying themselves so much, when I was invited back to, to attend the different functions I started to go and then I was at another event and there was a guy using some really really bad puns which by the way is the purpose of a pun <laughs> that's the idea the worse the pun is the better the pun is anyway and that was the pastor so I decided I would go and listen to him to him speak so and then one day um, and, and by the way, I thought I was a Christian at that time, right? I was hanging out with Christian people. I was going to church on Sunday. When the, when the plate went by, I didn't take anything out. I actually put money in. It was closer to tipping than tithing, but I did put money in. And I thought that, you know, that pretty much made me a Christian. I really didn't understand a lot of those things. And then one day, pastor asked me, when did you become a Christian? And I said, well, I've always been a Christian. So he opened up his Bible to the book of John, and he pointed to the number three. And he said, just start reading there, Greg. And I realized you're not born a Christian, that you need to make a decision for Christ. And right then and there, I said, I, I've, I, I never did this. I, I need to do, how do I do this? So he led me, to, led me to the Lord at that time, but it was basically 
because I attended the camp, the, the evening program for the camp, because my kids had gone to it. And that is um, what happens around the world. We see it happen over and over and over and over again. Now, I can't give you statistics on how many kids go home and, and reach their parents for Christ. But I can tell you a whole bunch of stories about that happening. And, but, uh, so I'm not. So they've taken that opportunity. Um, about the time I started to go to church, I, was, I became interested in the art of sleight of hand and illusion. Huh? I just folded it down. Okay. Um, for, those, for those that didn't know that, that's ridiculous. Of course you did. Anyway, I became interested of it, and, and I was pr- doing some stuff at the pastor's house, and the pastor's wife said, wouldn't that be a great way to, um, wouldn't it be a great idea you could, to win a crowd so you could share the gospel? And my wife says that the clouds parted and the hallelujah chorus started to play, and her life as she knew it was over. <laughs> she had been praying for a godly man, uh, but she didn't, she wasn't praying for an evangelist. She wasn't praying for a man that wanted to travel the world, put her in a little basket, and stab her with swords. So be careful what you pray for. That's, uh, that's her message to you uh, for today. So, um, But in January of 2005, I, I left my professional land surveying business and became a magicianary. That's a missionary who's a magician. Many people warned us that we would not get rich as missionaries. And of course, I am filthy rich now. Um, no, we didn't care. That wasn't what it was all about anyway. Um, what's really amazed me is how God has allowed me to travel around the world and, and see him at work over and over and over again. You know, I've watched the, the cliff divers at Acapulco. I don't know if you've ever seen that. They, they just, have you ever seen the Elvis Presley movie? Elvis in Acapulco, I don't know what it's called. Anyway, Elvis apparently dives off of there. But anyway, uh, it is a big thing to see in Acapulco. Uh, by the way, if you're going to Mexico, Acapulco is not the place to go anymore. Um, but on the same trip, I gave a message of hope to former prostitutes who were 11 and 12 years old and we saw a number of them pray to receive Christ the security guard and the director of the center all pray to receive Christ at that event our translator immediately got her hooked up with the church um, we entertained top 2% of, of businessmen in Acapulco at a five-star hotel, and just prior to that had done something on the streets. In Fiji, we got to stay at a beautiful five-star hotel. That's pretty much because the only hotels in Fiji are five-star hotels. <laughs> um, but, and we lived through a hurricane while we were there. Well, okay, it wasn't a hurricane, but call me a liar for five miles an hour. Uh, it was pretty close to a hurricane. But uh, because of the extra air travel and timing, uh, of the situation and the camps having moved, we had extra three days in Fiji, and instead of paying to change the flights, it was actually cheaper to stay. So that was nice. Uh, but that's in, in direct opposition to the abject poverty that we witnessed among the Indian population in Fiji. Uh, Fiji camps still go on, but they're no longer part of Children's Camps International. 
but they're still they're working right right now there. Over 40% of the uh, population of Fiji is Indian, and, and they are definitely the poorest of the poor. I've dipped my foot in many bodies of water, including right in the Indian Ocean where 1,500 people lost their lives in the tsunami of 2004. And I performed in an orphanage that was all children who had lost their parents to that same tsunami. In Nunavut, we had our own private jet into Arvia. It was the regular flight, and it was a prop plane, and we just happened to be the only ones on it. But it sounds cooler to say you had your own private jet, doesn't it? Um, we also got a system ministry there that is, is trying to give hope to this community, where hope is hard to find. The average uh, house has between 15 and 20 people in it. So we've uh, I've toured ancient Hindu temples over a thousand years old. And I've also shared a message of love and forgiveness with the lowest caste who would not be allowed inside those temples. For one but they're only allowed inside there for one reason, and that is to be temple prostitutes. They would be allowed that. The delit, the, the, the lowest caste, can only be touched for two reasons. The first one I just mentioned, and to be beaten. Uh, in fact, tea shops, tea shops are ubiquitous. They're like, they're almost like a little ice cream guy driving around. They're that big, the guy's got boiling water and they're making you tea, tea, British rule, right? The British Raj, irradiant tea. And you get these little plastic cups and you drink your tea out of it and they wash them. Unless you're the lowest caste, I believe. Then you don't get a plastic cup, you get a clay cup. And then after you drink your tea, the clay cup is broken. Because in their culture, in their religion, the delete are so polluted that they can't take the chance and try to wash it clean. Uh, the dangers are too great that you would become polluted by associating or touching that. So they're broken every single time. Um, and yet I've had the opportunity to present the gospel to those people who'd never heard of Jesus before that, who always thought that God hated them. And then they learned the message of that God loves them, wants to have a relationship with them. It's interesting, a, a little girl came up, one, not to me, unfortunately it's not my story to tell, but came up to one of our leaders and, and said, well, if, if Jesus is you know, king of kings and lord of lords, and, and I'm his daughter, does that make me a princess? And they answered, yes, sweetheart, it does. It does make you a princess. You don't have to live in a world uh, that is, is that hard to live in. Um, we've had opportunities right here to see God at work. Uh, as recently as uh, 2018, uh, we watched as God brought 303, 300, over 300 combines to a field south of Winkler and worked it all at the same time. Uh, that was uh, to raise awareness for Children's Camps International, and we did um, we, we smashed the Saskatchewan record of 247 combines. So I always referred to it as banjo bowl for farmers. <laughs> so we've had discouragements. Uh, the very first time I went to share the gospel in India, that was back in 1999. I suddenly felt very, very ill and needed to rush to the bathroom. Little hint for anybody. Your first experience with an Indian squatty toilet should not be when you're in that big of a rush to go. 
just, it, it's a, anyway, you know, that off the picture for you, it's not good. Um, so I finished in the bathroom, and I sat down and fell backwards, and my eyes rolled up in my head. The enemy shook me, and I convulsed, and uh, my eyes rolled up in my head, and, and uh, it was like a dog had grabbed a rag doll and was shaking it around, according to my wife. Um, I awoke to hear the entire church praying over me, and I couldn't really hear them very well. It seemed like I was still deaf, but uh, I drank a little tea, ate a protein bar, and presented the gospel as planned. So, Within that two weeks, we were on our way to present to uh, a fifth show of the day. Um, by the way, if you want a nice, easy ministry to work with, Children's Camps International. You know, five, six shows a day, that's all you have to do. To make they work me to death in India, so. and I love it. So. But anyway, we were doing our fifth show, and we went to Osmania University. Uh, this was actually one of our hosts with Campus Crusade, Crusade staff. And the, the guy was saying, no, we shouldn't go to, we, we, we don't need to go. We don't need to go to Osmania. They've already done four shows. And besides, Mrs. Greg needs to shop. Mrs. Greg, I love that. <laughs> Mrs. Greg. Anyway, um, my wife, not so much. She wanted sure. to be called Una. Um, so Una assured them that that's not why we came to India. We didn't come to India to shop. <laughs> um, but that we could go on. We arrived at Osmania University. And we were rushed in to, to see the dean, uh, a blind fellow, actually. And he said to me, don't be too evangelistic. Okay, my rule is, don't be too evangelistic would be more evangelistic than I am. Right? It's like Calvinism. Hyper-Calvinist is somebody who is more Calvinist than you are. It doesn't matter. It's, just a, it's a sliding line. So I just did our regular presentation. I didn't worry too much about it. Um, I noticed during the show that our hosts and the, 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 the dean had left the, the theater we were in, um, which made sense. <laughs> he was blind. I'm a magician. Um, so, and anyway, he left and, and they left and I just thought, well, they'd seen it four times already. They, they don't want to see it again. And it turned out that uh, they were praying for us. Uh, just as I finished sharing the gospel, invited people to receive Christ and and assured them of salvation to those who had. Lights went out. Lights went out so dark that five minutes later, I still could not see my hand in front of my face. It was pitch black dark. The power goes out in India occasionally. But we were stuck down here in the, in the basement with no, no windows. And I was afraid to move because I, I lost my bearings and I didn't know if I was standing here or back here, so I didn't want to move and fall off. And my wife was backstage or on the side, nervous, and she was nattering, you know, a bit. And that's what she does when she's nervous. But anyway, she said, is there anybody else here? Greg, we're the only ones here. Is there anybody else here? And one of the fellows from Crusade said, yes, we are here, Mrs. Greg. We are here, Mrs. Greg. Please be quiet. You have to understand, for them to say, please be quiet, would be like me saying, shut up. That was almost the same of don't make any noise. Well, the dean went and got some candles and flashlights because he could. Blind, he didn't need the lights. Um, why would he know where the candles and flashlights were? <laughs> Maybe somebody told him. They came back 
And all of the people around us uh, just all came in at once, grabbed everything, threw it in a big pile, just grabbed it up. We usually pack it all up, you know, and out to the car we went. And it was only once we were outside in the car that we discovered that they were worried that we were under attack uh, because less than a week ago, uh, a young man had been beaten to death uh, in that, on that university campus for sharing Christ. And they believed that we were uh, under attack. But, you know, it was a, a, a bit later when it, it dawned on me, uh, not it didn't dawn on me, somebody else said it, and they said, maybe the lights went out to prevent an attack. So, I have no idea. Maybe the lights just went out. I don't know what, what's happening in that realm, uh, so I can't. Also been greatly encouraged. Um, while most of our overseas work is with, uh, with children, we do get the opportunity to do something else, and we're always amazed at what the Lord has in store for us. And uh, I, I said on this particular trip, whatever you got, God, I'm ready for it. I'm going to do that. So Saturday night, late Saturday night, I'm in a foreign country. The food is weird. I'm feeling a little bit off. People are hard to understand. And I get a phone call. Bad news, Greg. You're going to prison. But you get to share the gospel and you get out later. Okay, good. So, Sunday morning we marched into uh, Osmania. No, that's the university. Latoka. Latoka prison. We marched in past the razor wire fence and the, the guys with the guns up high and and we marched in. There underneath a big, huge yellow tent, you know, awning tent, uh, was about 250 uh, people, 220 men dressed in orange and, and some of them in brown jumpsuits. At, at the other end of this kind of field or open area was a corrugated metal covering, and that's where the praise band and the pastor was. So I was directed to a small piece of sidewalk <laughs> that went across and I put my table down there and I started to present. Now when I got that phone call, I forgot to mention this, it's important, I didn't want to do it. Because I didn't have anything for prisoners. I didn't have, a, I was, I'd gone to do children's ministry. So it's children's ministry. You know, children think it's fun when you pick up a red scarf and say, and then we'll take the white scarf, and they yell, no, it's red. Yeah, and then we take the red scarf, no, that's what, uh, and, and you can do that with children. Uh, prisoners? <laughs> Not so much. So I, I was, you know, about to beg off, and, and I felt the tap on my shoulder. I was like, no, no, no. That's, remember you said you're ready for anything? Let's, let's do this. This is where I want you. So I, I presented the gospel. I did a presentation that was more adult. Um, not adult. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> not children-based. And... Uh, so I, I did that and I presented the gospel and the opportunity to receive Christ. Then I heard these words coming out of my mouth. If you have prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you need to come forward here to declare that. Jesus died for you publicly and you need to come publicly forward to declare Christ as your Savior. And then I turned around to see who had said that. I had never done an altar call like that in my life. My wife was back with the praise band going, okay, he's off script. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, I realized, oh, this is prison and no one wants to be different in prison. So I started to lean forward into the microphone uh, to say, or you could just talk to the pastor after, or you can, you know, 
And I was, the Holy Spirit said, shh. I felt more like a, you know, the non-young Indian way of saying it. I felt that was just sort of what it was. And he brought to mind when Franklin Graham told me that once your friend told me, there was 10,000 of us there. It wasn't like me and Franklin were hanging together. Um, and he said, once you've finished and done the invitation, don't do anything but pray. And I even remembered, it was brought to mind Frank, uh, no, Ralph Bell, who had been an evangelist with the, with the BGA many years ago. And he said, don't close your Bible. Don't take off your glasses. Don't put on your glasses. Nothing. Just pray. So I started to pray. 90 minutes later. Okay, it wasn't. It was like, my wife says it was less than 30 seconds. <laughs> but man, it felt like a long time. And through the middle, there was a guy coming down through the middle, and there was two that were coming up on the side. And three men had prayed to receive God and were coming forward. And then they started to come. And they came until there was 53 of them. Many of them on their knees, tears streaming down their faces that had come forward to indicate that they had prayed to receive Christ at that, on that Sunday morning. Now, one of the things that is really important about this is how many times I had said no, or I would have broken everything. And it's a reminder that when the Holy Spirit nudges us, we need to listen. Because if I'd had my way, I wouldn't have gone. I had children's stuff with me, right? The Holy Spirit said, no, you should go. I never would have done that invitation if I hadn't prayed before and said, God, use me. Put the words in my mouth that they need to hear. And I would have messed it up by offering an easier way out if the Holy Spirit hadn't stepped in and said, shh, watch me work. We've had some wonderful experiences like that. I could have avoided, I would have avoided it. I never would have got to see that happen if I'd had my way. So, I have had the opportunity to travel. It's been great. Um, many countries that we're involved in around the world, or have been, one thing that I found in every one of my travels, and it seems that no matter where I go, everywhere in the world, now these could be kids from the wealthiest part of Winnipeg, from the lowest Hindu caste, from northern Canada above the tree line where there's 11 months of winter and one month of caribou hunting, Chinese kids in Hong Kong who travel over an hour by bike, boat, and bus to school every day, the children who have been forced into the worst lifestyle imaginable, children who are or orphaned or whose parents have placed them in the orphanage because they can't afford to feed them, I've learned this. They all laugh at the same things. They all hunger for love and they all need a message of hope and when you support Children's Camps International you are doing exactly that you are helping them share that message of hope when, when Una and I were called to the ministry in 2005 we knew that we were not called alone 
Unfortunately, God didn't put a mark on people's foreheads so I could tell who was called into the ministry with us. So we had to share with pretty much everybody, uh, as I'm doing today. But Romans 10, 13, and 14, which you heard earlier today, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they be saved? How, how can they call in the name of the Lord if they haven't believed? How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I like to kind of paraphrase that and send good news. Back in 1998, I was praying about traveling to India for the very first time. And I was sent a video by another magicianary friend of mine. I'm the first one that was called that. He was a Christian illusionist. I had a better name. Um, he had gone there in a 1998 trip, and he sent me a video to watch. I watched the video of the stuff they had done, and as the credits rolled, there was just a scene of children playing. And as I watched the scene, I felt this huge weight on my chest. That these children could spend eternity separated from God simply because no one had told them. And since then, it's been my life goal to do exactly that, to tell them. To tell as many people as possible. And your support helps us to do that. I'd like to take this one more chance, an opportunity to thank you again for your support of Children's Camps International. Thank you. Who do I turn this back to? I forgot to ask who to turn it back to. I'll turn it back to you. We're going to sing Jeremiah was a bullfrog this time? <laughs>